We are continuing our welcome series from, from this book. I don't know if this has been shown yet, but this is the book we're kind of looking at uh, from a lady called Jen Oshman. Uh, welcome, loving the church by making space for everyone. Now, I must admit, when I first um, kind of like saw this title of Welcome to the Family, I automatically went into Don Vito Corleone from The Godfather as he welcomes someone to the family. Okay, if you've never seen The Godfather, probably a good thing. Uh, but, <laughs> um, um, yeah. uh, but that's he's the big mafia boss, so maybe, maybe starting with a mafia boss isn't where we want to start today. Um, but there are actually some very interesting family quotes from that movie. Some you think, yeah, flipping too, right? And some you're like, oh, actually, that's quite nice. Um, but I think what we'll stick to do today is with what Jesus said in scripture about family, because that's probably the best place to start. So a question to start us with. How can we encourage each other and those new to the church to really feel part of this family? Also, what does church family actually mean? These are the questions that, that, that Wayne had, had put to us who was speaking, just, just to kind of gather us in. So to have that kind of thought in your head. How can we encourage one another and those new to the church? Well, my family grew last weekend. I officially now have a daughter. And she's helping in Delve this morning, isn't she? Yeah, bless her. Good girl. Um, we had a great time celebrating, a really lovely time celebrating Josh and Bee's wedding and Bee's family got a son in Josh, which is brilliant. We all went for a walk with our extended family on the Saturday uh, and this is the picture that was taken. So this is kind of like a lot of the extended family. We've got my brother-in-law Tom who's really camping it up in the photo. Uh, in the middle there, and my, my, my nephew, Ethan, doing some gang signs, but that's just Ethan. Um, but this is, this is kind of the product um, of, of four couples from a church youth group. And there's some girlfriends in there as well, and it's just like, as, as with all families, they just start growing more and more and more. But I love the fact that we've also got another wedding next year. Is Boise in there as well? You know, it's Boise. Oh, he's a little addition to the family, bless him. Um, I love my family. I love my wider family. All of these guys in the picture. And there were some that weren't in that picture. Um, they'd, they'd gone home, they'd had to go and do other stuff. Um, not only... Because uh, what I love about my family is that, that so many of them have made a commitment to Jesus. Quite a lot of them have, have made a commitment to Jesus, which I love. So not only are they my children, my nieces or nephews, but they're actually also my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love that. Yes, I have sons. But they're also my brothers in Christ. They are my immediate and eternal family. Now, family can mean so many different things to us. Maybe we've got a great family unit. 
Maybe it's not so great. Or maybe you feel alone and isolated sometimes, even within a family unit. Each of us has a different experience of family. So let's turn to scripture to see what Jesus had to say. Hopefully you can all see that. I'm going to read it out. Mark 10, 20, it should be 25 to 30, but that's all right, typo for me. The disciples were amazed at his words. And Jesus said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, and I love this, we have left everything to follow you. It's kind of like a little bit of a desperate camels, eyes of needles, rich men. How do we get in? We've done everything. We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. That last bit, but many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. In Matthew 12, verses 46 to 50. While Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mothers and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Two very powerful pieces of scripture where Jesus says who true family is. True family. Both of these passages of scripture help us understand that Jesus saw his and our families as wider than our immediate blood family. In the first passage, he emphasises the recognition of leaving the blood family, of leaving jobs, of fields, of that kind of security, of, of, of the comfort of being with that family, to follow Jesus. And he says, Jesus says that you'll be gaining so many more family members through Christ and that it would be eternal. So we have a global and an eternal family in Christ. In the second passage, Jesus is emphasising the local family that he is with. Those disciples who are following him, or as Jesus puts it, those that are doing the will of my Father in heaven. 
And that's really key. Those that are doing the will of my Father in heaven. Now Jesus isn't shunning his immediate family in this passage. But he's elevating, this is the important thing for us to remember, he is elevating these disciples that are in front of him to the same status as his mother and his brothers. And we don't know, we know the disciples, but there would have been lots of others there as well. And, and some of those had had unsavoury backgrounds. So Jesus is saying, no, 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 you, you, you are my family. I elevate you to the same place as my mother and my brothers. Right? You are my mother and my brothers. And this is really key in how we relate to each other within the church family. So we have a local, a global, and an eternal family that we belong to through Jesus. You are all my brothers and sisters in Jesus if you do the will of the Father. And that's really important to remember. We're here to do the will of the Father. I think that's nice. I'm happy with that. Are you happy with that? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Have a little look around the church at the moment because this is your family. Have a little look at the people beside you, around you. Are you happy with that? <laughs> yes. If you're doing the will of the Father in heaven, guess what? We're spending eternity together. Wow. <laughs> Does everybody know each other here? Oh. <laughs> Have you been encouraged by somebody else here this morning? One of your brothers and sisters, have they encouraged you this week? It's a little... Anyone? Don't have to put your hands up. It's just, have they? Have you gathered with them this week? Have you had a coffee with them? Have you had a chat? Have you had a meal together? (laughs) Now, I know some people have been away on holiday, and that's cool, spending time with the family, etc. But this is what we're talking about here. The question has got as well, is this morning the first time you've actually seen or spoken to someone from the church family this week? Is today the first day that you've seen anybody from the church family this week? Do you belong to this church family but feel completely alone and not really included? Because we say we're a church family. And we include our own immediate family in a lot of stuff we do. But if we're to elevate one another to that same status, then we need to be looking out for each other a lot better than we are. Don't get me wrong, we are looking out for each other really well. Okay, This is a good church. But, but it's a challenge for us as a larger church. Okay, People can feel alone. There are many factors. Maybe we're a little bit too shy to get involved with stuff. I'd rather just stand on the sidelines and and, and watch what's going on. I'm not really wanting to get involved. Maybe we've got too many established cliques within the church. And actually what we tend to do is we gravitate to those people alone 
after a service or during the week. And we forget that there are actually others around us in need of that family intimacy that we share in those little groups. Maybe we've had a really bad week and we're just not in the mood to chat with someone. Just not really feeling it this week, Father, and I really don't want anyone chatting to me this week. I just want to go. Another challenge is we face is, is trying to commit to intimate church family is how our society has developed in the West. Big issue. We've got nuclear families. 2.4 kids, car, house, holidays. We do what we do. Okay, we're in that we're in that kind of cycle of doing that kind of stuff. We no longer tend to live in that early church community, which I know we've looked at in past weeks, where 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 it seemed to be everybody was kind of had something in common. They were all sharing food together every single day of the week, kind of stuff. They were they were working in the same. They were working next door to, to Christian neighbours. They 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 were sharing food and everything. It was just in that local community. We don't do that. We all live in different parts of the town. We all go to different places to work. So it sometimes gets very difficult and different to actually have that family intimacy with brothers and sisters like the early church did. What's happened is we find it difficult to break out of our comfort zones. We find it difficult and our home has become our castle. We've all got six foot fences, haven't we, in our gardens. No longer the three footers where we could throw kids over to play with the neighbour's kids or whatever. Six foot fences. As we have looked at previously, many of these early Christians lived, worked, and socially engaged with those immediate around them. A, a number of us who went to Israel visited a kibbutz uh, where, where a, a, a family, a, a whole community lived together. They, they share everything food, the work, the common good, whatever it was. And I, I really I loved it. It really appealed to me. And it might be some of you sitting thinking, that's just the worst thing I'd want to do, is sit down to dinner with a complete stranger and then ask to wash up. And then have to go out and milk a cow or do something like this. It might be some of the things you think, but it's, <laughs> that's what the life was like. It's a much simpler kind of life. And I look at it and I think, oh, wow. Some of us, like I say, might shudder at the thought of this. Um, but actually... We've, we've become quite isolated now as, as human beings in where we live, in where we work. We aren't all together, which is why it's so important as a church family that we gather as much as we possibly can. Not just the Sunday or a discipleship group in midweek, but more than that, meeting with each other, gathering in homes, grabbing a coffee with someone that you don't know. How can we encourage each other and those new to church to feel really part uh, of this family? How do we encourage one another? Let's start treating one another like a beloved member of your family. Like they are blood, because they are through Christ. 
My experience of you guys two years ago when I wasn't well was immense. It was amazing. I felt cared for, even though you were told you couldn't contact me, and that was okay to deal with up here. But the love that I felt, the care that I felt from my church family made me proud. You're my church family. I was looked after, cared for, prayed for. Is that because I'm Gary Bott, one of the ministers? Would we have maybe done that with anybody else that may be struggling with something? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting any elevation or anything else like that. But interestingly, in this book, uh, Jen actually uh, mentions a couple of things here. And um, so these are some scriptures that, that she says that uh, the, in the New Testament, there are 50 commands. They're not requests, they're commands of how we are to treat each other. They're commands. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour another above yourself. Romans 12. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. There's just a few examples of how we will treat each other. As I look at those, I think sometimes I don't even get some of those right. (laughs) And this is how we are commanded to love people within our church family. I'm going to read a little bit of what this lady Jen says. She says, church life looks like being devoted and being patient with one another. It looks like being humble and gentle and bearing with one another in daily life on life relationships. Church membership is a gift. To be sure, it requires effort and self-sacrifice and asking the Lord to help us. It also requires patience. Relationships take time to grow, often more than we expect especially when we only see each other once a week if we come to church every Sunday. But God's design is for our good. When we make space for everyone and commit, commit deeply to one another, I love this, we thrive. The words I want to pick out there are devoted, patient, humble, Gentle, bearing, committed, and thrive. That's how we encourage one another. By actually being Jesus to one another. Elevating everyone to that status of my brother and sister in Christ. 
Every word used here is how Jesus acts with us on a daily basis. So if Jesus is doing this for us, his brothers and sisters, that's how we should be doing it to one another within the church. I believe more and more that we need to see each other in a different light. Not just, well, these are other people that go to Billericay Baptist Church and I go to church with them. Brothers and sisters in Christ living life together so that you can thrive. We've got to start looking at each other as Jesus does. There is another reason as well, and I'm going to come to that at the end. Firstly, I believe we need to look at God in a different way. I was speaking to someone recently on their understanding of who God is. My challenge to them was to stop thinking of God as this all-powerful, in-charge deity who at the drop of a hat can turn us into dust and start to look at him as a father. A father who is devoted, patient, humble, gentle. He bears with us and is committed to see us thrive. That's our father in heaven. We have to start looking at ourselves more and more as his children. And less like adults who think they know best. Because we do. Children rely on parents for guidance, for love, for instruction, for nurture, for care, security and so much more. We as adults tend to get to that point where we know, I'm all right, I can do it on my own, thank you. I'm independent now. (laughs) God's just like, I think you are. But you're still my child. And you're still making those mistakes and I still need to guide you and I still need to help you along the way. Sure, we are told in scripture that we are to grow, to put away childish things. But in Matthew 18, Jesus calls a child to him and uses the child as an example of how we enter his kingdom, that we must become like a child. A child is so reliant on parents. So reliant on parents. But I think we've kind of got to adult state and think, no, no, I can do this. We need to rely on God as our Heavenly Father more and more. Romans 8 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I read a brilliant book by Mark Stibbe, Orphans to Heirs, where he talks about God the Father kind of going into an orphanage and saying, who wants to come and be in my family? And only a handful of these kids get up and follow this person out. The rest sit there. No, I'm okay, thanks. They've got my securities here in, in this. It says that God keeps going back to that orphanage and saying, come on, do you want to come and be part of the family? No, 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 I'm okay, thank you. Maybe a few get up and go. But I love the fact here that we, are, we, we go from orphans, we go from orphans to adopted sons and daughters 
of the King of Kings. Heirs with Christ. Let's just get that in our heads for a moment. If Jesus is the King of Kings, and in glory, God sees him and us in the same status. Brothers and sisters together with his son Jesus. Wow. We are elevated to the same status as Jesus Christ in the Father's eyes. Start getting that in your heart, in your head. That's amazing. It's amazing. Co-heirs with Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. And, and Roger already read out part of John 1, uh, 12 to 13, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I believe more and more we need to see ourselves as children of the Father. Not sinners or saints or anyone like that kind of children of the Father. And I think, believe that as we do that, we will see indifference in our brothers and sisters a lot less. That actually we'll start to use those words of caring and nurture and loving and encouraging. The final reason I alluded to earlier on, uh, just as I kind of like draw to a bit of a close, is that how we treat each other as church family is noticed. Not only noticed by us within, but the world without. As Jesus finished washing the disciples' feet, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How's church going in society? Infighting, indifference, differences of opinion, someone saying this, someone saying that. Well, guess what? The world don't want to know about us. They don't want to know about church. Because you've been accused of this, accused of that, you don't get on with them. Why have you got a denomination over? Why is it? Now, that might be in the wider society. What about us here? How we care for one another how we genuinely care for one another will be such a big example for our community around us, for those around us. Well, not only that passage of scripture, but this is one of my favourites where Jesus is actually praying for me. He's praying for you. As he is, the night before he is about to be crucified, he gives a new command. I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Hang on, I've just done that one, sorry. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. As we welcome each other, as we are united with each other, as we love each other, we become a witness to the world around us. A huge witness to the world around us. I know I've probably been guilty of sharing something with somebody else about somebody in church, a brother or a sister, and they're not even in the church, and have realised afterwards, ah, what have I done? I was annoyed at that person. I've shared that with you. I shouldn't have done that. It's bang out of order. So they go away thinking, oh, that's church. And I try and emphasise to people that church family doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect. It's going to be difficult. But our witness of how we talk about each other or how we treat each other is huge. makes such a massive difference. As we welcome and love each other, as family members, each will become encouraged and each will thrive. And it will be such a draw to those that we encounter that they will want to have what we have. Recently, it's been lovely to see so many new people coming to church. It's been really lovely. New people joining us here at Billericay Baptist Church. You don't have to answer, but how... How are we doing at welcoming you? It's really important. It's really important because you know the survey I've been doing? I've had someone come back, and it's completely anonymous, but they came here and said, the welcome on the door was wonderful. But when I went to sit down, someone put their keys where I was about to sit because that's where they were going to sit. And I felt I couldn't have been accepted there. Ouch. Ouch. We've got to be so careful, guys. We have the wonderful welcome and everything, but as soon as you get in here, if people are feeling, oh, I'm going to sit in their seat, they're looking at me funny. They're looking at me funny because I don't look like I normally come to church. They're looking at me funny. That's not welcome, is it? We might actually do that about some of us. (laughs) We might look at each other a bit funny because maybe something's gone on in the past. We haven't quite forgiven yet. We need to do that. So for those people that are new to the church, has it been easy? Has it been hard? Have you stayed for coffee? It's good coffee. Just a few practical suggestions. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up now. Say hello to somebody that you've never said hello to before. Now that takes courage... But maybe this morning, when we have some really nice coffee, it's just make a point of not going and chatting with the group that you normally chat with, but go and chat to someone that you haven't met before. Introduce yourself. Don't be shy. 
Because when you lot get talking, we can't shut you up. (laughs) Which is great. It's brilliant. Let's talk to each other. Meet up for a coffee. Go out for a walk or a chat. Get to know people better. Invite them to your discipleship group. Or if it's too full, start a new one. Just start meeting with people. This stuff isn't rocket science. It's exactly what Jesus did in the Gospels. Read the Gospels and find out how to look out for each other. Now, I'm a bit greedy. I want to see new brothers and sisters coming into his kingdom. It's lovely having people come in uh, that are already Christians. But I want to see new people added to this local and eternal family. That we will see them thrive in becoming sons or daughters of our good, good father. Do we want that? You sure? Because they're going to be different. They're going to be different to us. Are we going to put our keys down on the chair because we don't want them sitting next to so-and-so? Well, we welcome them and go, yeah, but you've parked funny in the car park. Who cares? Because that's the big challenge, I think, for a lot of people coming into such a large church is all these strange people with their strange ways and, and they know them and they know them, but I don't know anyone. How do we include? Are we ready to welcome them? I believe this will happen. I strongly believe this will happen. But I believe our Father wants us to get it right with each other as well. Like I said, I think there are still people here this morning who have been here a while that truly don't feel part of this church family. What are we going to do about that? Well, I would say let's start properly welcoming each other into our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ so that when we see new believers coming, becoming brothers and sisters, we are ready to welcome them into the family. Let me pray. Father God, just want to thank you that you have called us to be into family. Brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Jesus. Father, that you elevate us. You don't look at us as some kind of unworthy worm, but you look at us as your children. And Father, I thank you so much that it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we can come into your family through his sacrifice. Father, I pray that that more and more uh, that we would accept that in our lives. And Father, if there is anyone here this morning that actually feels like they're not part of this family or even in your wider family, Father, Lord, would you bring them to you right now in Jesus' name? Father, may they know your love, your care, your nurture, your forbearing, your commitment that you have for them, that you want to see them thrive and become the child of God that you have destined them to be. Father, we praise your holy name that you look upon each one of us. And Father, we bless you that you are our good good Father. Amen.